0: Hello, and welcome to the Renwick Centre podcast. This week, we speak to Sandra Staffieri, an orthoptist working in paediatric ophthalmology. Sandra chats to us about occlusion and eye patching. We hope you enjoy.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Renwick Centre podcast. My name is Trudy Smith. I'm the Manager of Continuing Professional Education at the RIDBC Renwick Centre. For today's session, we're joined by Sandra Staffieri. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please, Sandra?
0: Well thanks Trudy, thanks for having me today. Um, so I'm an orthoptist by training uh, which was a very long time ago, some 35 years ago now that i finished and I've been very fortunate to um, work in paediatric ophthalmology nearly my entire career. Um, I certainly have an interest in, um, in eye turns in children and amblyopia and even the more Uh, significant eye problems in children, like congenital cataract and congenital glaucoma. But I'd have to say my main passion is retinoblastoma, which is a rare paediatric eye cancer. Um, And uh, I recently completed my PhD at the end of last year, looking at ways to raise awareness of eye problems in children. And whilst the motivation for that was because of late diagnosis of retinoblastoma, this program will very much improve, I hope, um, the rate at which children with more common eye problems like strabismus will present.
1: Excellent. That sounds like a whole other discussion that we need to have, you and I. But the reason I brought you along today was I really want to talk about occlusion and patching therapy. So I'm wondering if you can give us a little bit of an introduction into what that is.
0: Okay, so most of the time, patching therapy is used to improve poor vision or amblyopia is the the technical term for it. But the trick is the cause of the poor vision um, can be due to a variety of different things. So you could have a turned eye or strabismus. Um, There could be a difference in the shape of the two eyes. So that we call that anisometropia. So where a child's need for glasses is different from one eye compared to the other. Um, Or it can actually be a combination of both of these factors. There are some other conditions that give um, rise to quite severe amblyopia, like congenital cataract, um, congenital glaucoma can give rise to amblyopia, but they're less common. But the treatment of it is really the same, doesn't matter what the cause. So some children will have very mild amblyopia, uh, where the difference in in vision between the two eyes is just a couple of lines on a vision chart and sometimes it can be really severe and this will obviously depend on what caused the amblyopia in the first place, how long it's been present and how old the child actually is. So the aim of occlusion therapy or patching is to get the vision as good as we can possibly get it and I always like to try and aim for the minimum level required to drive a car. Because when you get older, there's no reason why you can't develop other eye diseases, particularly macular degeneration, or as a result of an eye injury, you run the risk of the good eye becoming not so good anymore. And I don't want that to translate to a significant lifestyle change where you can't drive. So that's what I usually try and explain to parents, We're trying to get a good functional eye where we possibly can. Sure. What what do you use to patch the eye? Uh, Another good question. Well, the sky's the limit, really. Traditionally, it was a sticky eye patch. Um, So it's an iPad that sticks to the child's face. You can buy them commercially um, at the chemist. You can buy them online. We've got some really lovely um, patches that are available now that are coloured and, and with pictures on them. But some children develop skin allergies to them as well, or they've got a bit of an aversion to things stuck to their face. So if they're wearing glasses, we can use a cloth patch that, um, again, is also available online or at the chemist, that slides onto the glasses. Um, Or you could use a standard black patch, like a pirate. Um, That's also available at the chemist. I'm sure that'll be very popular
1: with a certain age of boy. (laughs)
0: Well, it may well be, but um, not when you want them to wear it, that's for sure. Um, Or even we can use um, contact, so cloudy contact, yes, the the, the book coverings that we used when we were going to school, you can put that on the inside of the um, lens uh, of the glasses, but we need to remember that when we put a patch on, um, particularly when we put something on their glasses, the propensity to... um, to cheat, such as pulling the glasses down and looking over the top or around the side, is actually quite high. No. And that's not because the child's being naughty, it's because they want to be able to see. Easy. And that's the whole point of the, 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 um, the condition. In fact, I, very early in my career, I dutifully put a patch on a two-year-old's pair of glasses I used contact because he refused to allow anything else. And he, I put the glasses on his face and he looked at me and promptly took his glasses off, turned them upside down and put them back on his face. <laughs> so the patch was in front of his bad eye. He still wanted to wear his glasses, but not with a patch on no. it. Sometimes when we have that problem, we can also use atropine drops, which um, have two actions. They make the pupil very big. Um, And parents would be used to having um, eye drops as part of the child's eye examination. But the effect that we want from the eye drops is that they they stop their ability to focus. So it blurs their near vision. It doesn't affect their distance vision so much, but it blurs their near vision. Um, And that can work quite well. We get quite good compliance and quite good results with that. But again, it depends on how severe the amblyopia is and it may not be the only answer, the only way to achieve it. And we've got to find what works for a particular child.
1: Sure, because that was gonna be my question. So would that patching work? Does it, does it help with the eye turn, strabismus or the squint?
0: So it'll help with the vision improvement, but it doesn't fix an eye turn. Even though the poor vision may be caused by the eye turn, that doesn't mean improving the vision will make the eye straight again. And often parents will say, I'll ask them, how did you go? And they say, oh, great, he tolerated it, but the eye's still turning. It's really important that parents understand that patching is not to fix the, the eye turn. It's to fix the vision. It's to force the child to use an eye that is up until that point gone unused and to catch that vision development up.
1: Sure.
0: If a child can't
1: read a vision chart, yeah. um, so pre-literate, yeah.
0: um, how
1: do you know there's amblyopia and, and whether it's getting better?
0: So, well, if they've got an eye turn, we can look at the behaviour of the eye turn. So when we make them look with the turned eye and then we take our hand away, we can observe how long they keep looking with, with the eye that was turned. And that tells us which eye's got the better vision because you're only going to look with your better seeing eye okay yeah. that makes sense and the other one is where a child may have straight eyes so their eyes might be straight but if we cover one eye and compare their response to picking up a toy or hundreds and thousands even if they let us cover one eye but not the other well there's your answer absolutely Pretty obvious
1: yeah it is really obvious um, how quickly will it improve? And when would you stop patching? Is it immediate? How does that work?
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> how long have we got? <laughs> to talk about this. Look, it, it really varies. Um, again, how bad is the poor vision? Um, how compliant are they with the treatment? How much are they managing to, to patch the child? But I guess the most important thing is, it's just like going on a diet. When you're really good, you get a response and you get a lot of response early in the piece and then the response starts to plateau out. And when we get a a plateau in response, it's harder to remain motivated to continue, you know, the hard slog of patching. But we tend to keep patching until we've had a few visits where there's been no improvement. Um, Sometimes we may choose to taper off the patching to stop the vision from actually dropping back so we're not patching to get better vision we're patching to maintain the vision that we've achieved yeah. in some children that have got really severe um, amblyopia their near vision might improve quicker than the distance okay. so we'll often test both distance and near vision so that at least the parent and the child can see, oh, look, last time it was here, now it's there. That's because you've been wearing your patch. You need that motivation. Everybody, just like we stand on the bathroom scales, we need that motivation that those numbers are going down. But sometimes also, despite all our efforts, we don't get an improvement or we don't get the improvement that we really want. And we arrive at a point where we just have to say, okay, enough is enough. If it hasn't improved now, it's not going to. And that's tied into that um, the sensitive period of vision development that exists in children.
1: And, and Sue Silvera has done a podcast with us around those sensitive times. Yes, so yes. go back and listen to Sue if you if this is new to you as well. But is there such a thing as too much patching?
0: Yes, there is. You can over-patch. We have to... The child's visual system is developing the whole time from birth, until around supposedly seven or eight years of age. But whilst we're we're covering up a good eye or penalising their good eye to force them to use the bad eye, we can't do that treatment at the expense of the good eye. And so because the visual system is developing, we can do too much patching. And that's why regular visits to have the vision checked and monitored to make sure that the patching treatment isn't compromising their good eye. That's really critical.
1: Yeah, okay. I'm sure parents say to you, they don't like wearing it. Any advice for those parents?
0: (laughs) No child likes wearing a patch. And that makes sense because you're covering up their good eye. Um, And what varies is how well they will tolerate a reduction in vision. And I've seen children tolerate really bad vision and I've seen kids not tolerate one line difference and I'm scratching my head saying why won't they tolerate this because you can see. Um, So providing supervised activities is really important even just sitting at the dinner table with their patch on, um, even part of their routine, the bed, um, no, how does it go? Uh, Bath, book and bed, you can have the patch on then. You know, their books, they can read, they can see the pictures in the books. So there's no reason why they can't do those sorts of activities. Don't expect to be able to put a patch on a child and send them off for a play because they're just going to take it off. I would too. Yep. Um, one of my favourites, though, is hundreds and thousands sprinkled on a plate or in the high chair, sprinkle them on the tray um, in the littlies. Because they'll be distracted by the fact that that's something they recognize. And I know in this day and age, we're really trying to limit refined sugar. But you know what? In the, at the expense of having poor vision, I think yeah. um, a little bit of refined sugar is not going to hurt anybody. No. Um, the same goes with peas and corn at dinner time. They're always good things because that's a visual activity. And they're distracted by what's going on around them. iPad, TV, games on handheld devices, that makes occlusion more of an activity rather than a punishment, because for some children, they do see it as they're being punished. So giving them something they really love doing is helpful and say, you know, when we get to this time, you can do the last 15 minutes without your patch. There's lots and lots of ways. Just got to think outside the square. Reward charts obviously go a long way, just like, you know, toilet training and all of those things. It's exactly the same thing. It it works exactly the same way. Setting a timer so the child knows when it's going to come off rather than this indeterminate time because they have no sense of time.
1: And I guess they're going to else, trust you more, aren't they? If they if exactly. You're after exactly. that timeline as well.
0: Exactly. And they'll learn to tell the time, if nothing else. <laughs> um, but I think getting the child involved in the process, they, we underestimate how much we can explain to the child, but then we need to find the balance with how much input the child gets where not wearing it is not an option. Sure. Just like with really, if your child had a bad cold and needed antibiotics, if they didn't like the taste of the antibiotics, you're not gonna not give them. You're still gonna do that. So patching's the same thing.
1: Yeah. What about those little ones you say, well, I can't see now?
0: So you just explain to them that they can't see. That's right. And that's why um, we're doing this. I usually explain to children that um, one eye's been working really hard and needs a rest and putting the patch on lets that eye have a bit of a rest So the other eye can stop being so lazy and work a bit harder and reassure them that they can see, you know, it might be that you need to have toys that are a little bit bigger or books that have got pictures that are a little bit bigger. So it doesn't make it so difficult. That visual difference isn't so great. Yeah. And that makes sense.
1: We know that you can't negotiate with anybody under the age of seven. Why don't we just wait till they're seven?
0: That's all linked into the whole sensitive period of vision development. And even though there is some emerging evidence that um, we can get improvement in a later, in an old, slightly older child, and I've actually seen it, but we don't think that the the best outcome can be achieved if we wait till they're older. And the other thing to remember is when they're older, they then have different visual demands and they need to go to school so they can't wear it at school. When they come home, they've got homework and they need to be able to, able to see smaller writing. So you've got that problem of when they're older, they need better vision. So it's easier to get it done when they're younger.
1: And, and for those families, where if you're still working with these kids when they're school age, and many of the activities you've suggested have included doing things together, child and parent.
0: Yeah. How, how do they fit it in? With great difficulty because it's not, you know, often there's other siblings and extracurricular activities and life is busy. I mean, we're supposed to be having more time with all our technology, but it seems to me we have less. So figuring out out what do we need to achieve, looking at your weekly family timetable, how can we fit this in? As I said before, putting it on, in the end of day or evening routine is always a good one. At the dinner table, um, you could put it on for a bit of homework if they're doing just drawing and some sort of, sort of near activities, things like that. I guess also thinking about how much have you been asked to do? When I first graduated, we used to give children full-time patching. So we prescribe all day patch if the vision was beyond a certain level and half day if it was better than a certain level. I quickly realised that nobody's going to leave a patch on all day. Um, and so I, I started just saying, look, put it on as much as you can, and it settled at around about one to two hours. We now have all this evidence from very strong studies that show that one to two hours is just as good as having it on all day. so. Finding those one or two hours is really important. You need to remember, though, that it doesn't have to be a two-hour block. You can achieve that with an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon or half, you know, four half-hour stints. If that's all your child's going to tolerate, that's better than nothing. Absolutely, Do something because nothing is going to happen if you do nothing.
1: Yeah. So less is
0: more. <laughs> less is more, exactly, because they'll tolerate less. Yep. So, and then you can build it up and before you know it they've forgotten they've got it on so half an hour quickly becomes one hour and yep. lots of reward and praise and hey aren't you fantastic um and you know big hug goes a long way for being tolerable you know tolerating the patch
1: Yeah, that's you've given us so many great ideas um during the session thank you are there any final
0: comments that you want the audience to take away get calm and keep the patch on <laughs> Try different things and speak to your health. Don't just give up and not turn up. Um, speak to the person who's um, treating your, uh, your child. Your orthoptist is always going to be a wealth of information or an optometrist or even your ophthalmologist about different, different ways um, to achieve the same goal because what's been suggested might not work for you. And there are lots of other ways that we can um, try and achieve what we want. And that's good vision in each eye.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Sandra. I really appreciate
0: it. You're welcome. Thank you to Sandra for speaking with us today. If you have any questions regarding the topics raised in this podcast, be sure to reach out via our Facebook page.